0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 7 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: The Ravens back on track in convincing fashion. First place in the AFC North this week on Pod. Like a Raven. The Ravens scored 28 points. They did it, guys, and they win big in Cleveland. AFC North opponent, maybe not against the best quarterback in football. We will talk all about it. I am Antonio Barbera, joined by my co-hosts, starting with Jace Evans. Jace, you need the relaxing Ravens game sometimes. we deserve, We deserve it. We deserve it, and we got it this Sunday.
2: Yeah, this was about uh, as enjoyable a palate cleanser, I think, as you could have after the events we talked about last week. Just a a disaster at home all the way around. You go on the road, AFC North, kind of just cruise. Game was over at halftime. Uh, Not many questions, I think. Um, You know, uh, I don't know that we learned much about this team, really, in the big picture, but uh, they didn't struggle. And it was pretty easy all the way around. And you get a big a big win in the division. Again, we've talked about the schedule. One of the harder games on paper you'll face all year going to Cleveland. They had one there in a few years. And they cruise. I watched it with the family. It was great. It was relaxing. We all had a great time. We chatted most of the game because, frankly, there was not a lot going on <laughs> for large swaths of this one. Uh, it was great. It was just a great – it was a lovely Sunday. It was great to kick back, watch, and not, uh, not stress to the end, not stress for really any of it. So, yeah, I, I needed this. Uh, I think the team needed this. I think the fan base needed this. Uh, and yeah, as I mentioned, I don't think we learned too much about it, but
1: it was still very nice to see. And Tim Horsey, Tim, we weren't there with you this weekend uh, with the the setup, trademark pending. Um, but how'd you enjoy your your Sunday, your Sunday afternoon?
3: I I wasn't frustrated during a Cleveland Browns Ravens game, which is, I think is the the biggest thing I could say like you know I I did have a couple friends over to watch and um, you know mid-third quarter we're chatting about things that aren't this game that's happening in front of us still watching obviously but not losing our minds on every two-yard Gus Edwards run up the middle so it it was it was (laughs) nice it was nice to kind of have a game that you could kind of sit back and relax but at the same time not sure I learned too much but maybe you know maybe I'll learn something from you guys today as we talk about it. So the Ravens, as I mentioned, score 28 points.
1: They break that streak of however many games of not scoring 28 points. Well well done. But I'm going to start on the defensive side of the ball this week because I think that really was the main storyline of of this game for all the positives that we'll talk about later offensively. Because uh, we woke up Sunday. Some of us wake up later than others. But for me, it was waking up news around, what, 10, 10, 10, 10, 1030? Uh, To the news of Deshaun Watson being out with a shoulder injury that had been talked about midweek as just, it seemed like a bruise, he's going to be fine, he's questionable, he finished the game, and then as the week turned to Friday and into Saturday, it seemed, well, maybe it's a bit, you know, they're going to evaluate on Sunday, completely expecting him to play in this game, Uh, and then it's Sunday morning, and he's out, he's not going to start. So in comes rookie fifth-round draft pick, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and it took about three passes to realize that this was going to be a completely different game uh, from one with Deshaun Watson at the helm. So looking at the Ravens' defense, guys, I think they did exactly as well as they could have given the opposition that they were faced with. I am actually shocked that the Browns decided that their quarterback situation was this and fine and good entering the regular season um because Thompson Robinson from beginning to end looked like a guy who I think should be on the practice squad or maybe a developmental third string quarterbacks you know hanging on to a roster spot not somebody ready to start a game or sub into uh, a game at any point telegraphing throws he was inaccurate Uh, deep throws that look more like prayers than actual calculated decisions. He decided to pitch the ball randomly, which was a disaster. (laughs) Uh, Multiple turnovers, a fumble that the ball just kind of fell out of his hand while he was running around for his life in the backfield. He took a bunch of sacks. Um, It was terrible. It was a horrendous performance by him, a horrendous performance by the Browns offensively. Um, the only points that the Browns scored came on a, basically on a pass interference deep ball that was about 10 yards behind the receiver, um, but got a pass interference. The old Flacco special there. Um, and then the Browns offense only entered Ravens territory on three drives all game. On the pass interference drive, once in the second quarter where they got to the Ravens 45-yard line and then had to punt, and then the last drive of the game, which was against mostly Raven backups. And it ended in an interception. So, we want to talk positively about this defense because they only gave up three points. But how much of it is Raven players excelling versus high school offense
3: attempts to get first downs against NFL defense? I think it's, I think it's a combination of both, right? And we'll kind of dive into the minutiae of the defense um, here in a second. But just generally... One, Stefanski coming out like tossing the ball around or trying to toss the ball around in this situation is, I don't know. Some of these Sean McVay tree offensive genius guys just, they're they're missing something up there. I, I don't know what it is. But I think generally, Jace, before we kind of get into the specifics, it's a combination of both for me because I'm excited that the Ravens took care of business. Like we were all texting in our text group. Deshaun Watson's out, and we're, both, we're all of us, Jason and I especially, are like, yeah, they're still probably going to find a way to lose this game. But no, they took care of business, they did what they had to do, and um, yeah, I, I was really, really impressed. And man, Dorian Thompson-Robinson was not ready for the pros. It was like, welcome to the league, little boy, um, and they were all over him from the word go.
2: Yeah, I, I think that was, like, part of just his performance and the Browns game plan around him, as Tim said, that didn't help do him any favors, I don't think. But, uh, yeah, like, his performance, I think, is what made this game to just kind of be so much of a a blur, sort of a, eh, whatever, like <laughs> a cakewalk in certain places and just sort of the nonchalant feel I had towards the whole thing because it was pretty clear, especially once the Ravens go up 14-3, to I thought – I was like, and then especially twenty-one to three—that score right before the half—I was like, they are not losing this game because the Browns have just shown no ability to do anything. And uh, I think it's just serves sort of kind of a, a reminder um, that the preseason is completely meaningless. I know we had talked uh, on this show about how you know the rust, sort of the Ravens seem to show coming in, and you know you're installing this new system. Should we have played more in the preseason? The preseason doesn't matter. We'll get to the Steelers, but uh, remember, this is their first team offense. It was the best offense in the NFL in the preseason. Everyone was heaping praise on the Steelers for what they did. They're one of the worst offenses in the NFL now. Uh, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson was one of the preseason stars uh, this year, so much so that the Browns traded their original backup, who was Josh Dobbs, who has been the Cardinals' starting quarterback. And I think unequivocally, um, from what we've seen with him do with the Cardinals when he hasn't been all there, there all that long— a much, much, much better quarterback than Dorian Thompson Robinson. And yeah, he's a rookie. Maybe he'll get better. Um, John Harbaugh now 23 and seven against rookie quarterbacks in his career. Um, just kind of adding on to that. It's hard to win as a rookie in the NFL, but yeah, he looked just totally overmatched. And I think certainly unlike some of the other rookies we've seen in the NFL, one, the Ravens played, Cedar Stroud's been looking good. Anthony Richardson looked great on Sunday. Thompson Robinson was not that. He he definitely needs needs a lot of time if he's ever going to become even a backup. Really, I think in the NFL. So, I was glad the Ravens didn't mess around and you know blow coverages and give them chances or momentum or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, all in all, he he just wasn't ready and it kind of I I think is more more than anything. I do think the Ravens defense is good and we'll talk about them in a second. Certainly, but. Yeah, I think it was him more than anything, and the Browns approached this game that just kind of made it sort of an easy win for the Ravens in the end.
3: Well, let's let's get into it. Let's break down the kind of minutiae here of this defense. Um and we're gonna start very top level here. Roquan Smith. Um he was out here snatching souls like Shang Soon. Um I've been playing a lot of Mortal Kombat recently. Um it's just That guy came out of the tunnel with his hair on fire. And, Jace, you have the notes in here. I'm not going to steal them from you because they're too good. I'm going to let you take them. But from the word go, from the jump, from the first whistle, however you want to uh, categorize it, Roquan Smith was not out there to win a football game. He was out there to demoralize an opponent, ripping helmets off, trash-talking, almost had two interceptions, um, you know, i think he was fine you know they, they were tough kind of backtracking balls for a linebacker not to get them but he just puts such a big smile on my face the way he absolutely tries to um i'm not gonna say he tries to hurt people but like eviscerate opponents each and every uh each and every game each and every down each and every snap and jace kind of reminds me of a certain linebacker in the middle of that defense from from a, from a long time ago, not only with his play on the field, but kind of off of it from a leadership standpoint as well.
2: Yeah, and I think it's that 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 side of things that go sort of hand-in-hand hand to him, just the, the, the talking the talk and then walking the walk sort of deal. Uh, I think for me, he's the Ravens' like best leader on the defensive side since Ray Lewis. I mean, you know, Terrell Suggs was there, but kind of a different role sort of up front um you know doing his t sizzle thing but i mean he just clearly brings such a leadership element that even with lamar there i think this team has lacked in recent years and that makes me really excited that i think and we'll get more i think in the big picture later in the show but as long as he's healthy and lamar is healthy i think this team can do incredible things with their two leaders on both sides of the ball um and i mean you mentioned alluded to some of the the things he said so he got he got cleveland fans and some of their players riled up this week uh in the lead up to this game when when he was talking midweek and he said i think they call it the dog pound i consider myself a dog so i'm right at home and then he he later went on to dog. say about like how dog dog <laughs> uh he later went on to sort of say like you know how the mentality you have to have and stuff and uh in, in kind of talking about that he, he he said this phrase we're going over there to beat their tails in front of their wife and kids <laughs> and so, yes yes and then he did but then to what tim said then he did he you know <laughs> ripping helmets off as he said probably should have been penalized not nope. that's no nope. that's that's when you have respect of the refs <laughs> uh, you know uh yeah, I mean, he leads the team in tackles. He just is all over the field and, you know, combined with the Browns' sort of own problems, uh, you know, he just helps to demoralize them. He just leads this strong defensive effort. And it's just great to see, you know. He he seems to really bring it, too, in these divisional games. Uh, and that's great. That's great to see. I, I mean, I thought everyone was great, but he was particularly uh, notable. And uh, Kevin Ostriker he noted that... Uh, you know uh the bears have not won a game since they traded roquan smith not that they were a good team last year but they were 3 and 5 the day he got traded uh and they've not won since they're 0 and 13 since trading roquan smith now <laughs> i'm not saying he's the sole reason they haven't won but i think he's proven in his short time here he's a great leader he backs up what he says uh and he brings it in their biggest games and that's just something they haven't had on the defensive side in quite a while and i think Certainly, you know, he gets high praise from Jadavion Clowney, who said he's never played with a linebacker like him, and he's been in the league for 10 years now, for Number former first overall pick. I mean, John Harbaugh has nothing but high, high praise for him, so it's, it's just a great feeling. Uh, you know, it just, as Tim said, it brings a smile to my face to see him in the middle, and I think uh, as longtime fans of Ray Lewis, you know, we watched his whole career, I think we just kind of, as Ravens fans, relate to a player like that, and... It's great. It was so fun to watch on Sunday.
1: Outside of some other specific players that we'll get to, Tim, what do you think about how the defense schematically uh, approached this game and, and executed with uh, with Mike McDonald getting more and more comfortable with this with his unit that he has?
3: Yeah, I'll just say this: in the off season, I'm I'm comfortable saying this on you know October second, as we record, early October. Um, when the off season comes, throw him in the castle at one winning drive and lock the key. Do not let him go out for interviews. Uh, Mike McDonald, the way he has schemed this defense this year, I think has been absolutely incredible. As somebody who is, you know, purely a fan, um, you know, maybe a little nerdier than your average fan, but then watches and listens to the nerdy stuff, there were some very smart people like Nate Tice of The Athletic, who I reference a lot, who was very excited about Mike McDonald in year two. And, boy, we are um, – we're – Reaping the rewards of having somebody like that lead the defense. The Ravens, a couple stats that I found on Twitter here. The Ravens, remember, pass rush is a thing, guys. Remember, pass rush is a problem that we keep talking about. They're currently third in the NFL with 15 sacks. Now, you might sit there and say, "That, that, that there's no way, Tim. You, you, that's a that's a bad stat." Clowny, who we'll talk about, uh, you know, for all the positives that we have, and myself as well. He's the king of nearly theirs. He's taken over the Adafi Owe Award for nearly theirs. Uh, Adafi Owe, nowhere to be found. David Ajabo is hurt and might miss the rest of the season now, according to John Harbaugh, which is something we'll get into. They're still third in the NFL in sacks with 15, and only two and a half have come from the likes of those edge defenders that I've been talking about. The way McDonald is scheming up pressure to get after court. I mean, we talked about it against Indianapolis. Kyle Hamilton, three sacks for Kyle Hamilton, and the constant – constant pressure the dtr dorian thompson robinson had against him in this game was a testament to mike mcdonald i know it's a backup quarterback a guy that's probably a practice squad guy he's facing a browns offensive line that is noted as one of the better units in the national football league uh in terms of like offensive line rankings and they had no answer for what mike mcdonald was doing to bring pressure i I just thought it was really impressive and for a tactician like that um, to kind of have a plan for each different opponent is something that you're got to be incredibly excited about. Again, especially when you don't have a Miles Garrett or a T.J. Watt or somebody on that where you can just say, "Hey, go against whoever it is." If you're T.J. Watt and you're puss the right tackle, go against them. And I'm, I'm just kidding; that was obviously a joke. For it's Steelers Week, guys. I got to throw a couple jabs. Um, you know, <laughs> do, do the one-on-one matchup, and you'll be fine. We don't have that guy, uh, even though, like, I think Jadavion Clowney, as we'll get into a little bit later, played really well in this game. They don't have that elite edge defender, so you have to find ways to simulate pressure, and Mike McDonald is doing an incredible job of that so far.
2: The, the sack Patrick Queen had was, I think, oh. like a good example of that. He just blew, just blew up the guy in the middle, just came quick, and, uh, you know, I'm getting increasingly, we've talked about him, increasingly sad that... Patrick Queen's definitely not going to be on the team (laughs) next year because he's been great since Roquan comes over. But that's also the power of Roquan Smith. He makes everyone better. So you got that guy. Find someone else. But uh, yeah, this by-committee approach has been great. You mentioned I think Clowney's been great, Tim. It's funny because we've joked about him for so long (laughs) on this show and in our lives about the Ravens signing him. But he's noticeable. He, like, makes a difference. And, like, I know, like, Owe gets in recent years has had high pressure numbers, but he just clearly is not as noticeable to me as Clowney is in some of these big moments. Like, Clowney does just, like, can cave in a side of the line. And, yeah, he doesn't doesn't get to the quarterback a ton. One and a half sacks probably could have had, like, two on Sunday. Just kind of got away from him. But, uh... He's, he's been great. He's been really great. And, uh, I, I'm happy with that. You know, Kyle Van Noy, <laughs> they pick up off the street. He knocked down a ball at a certain point, uh, on a th- big third down. So yeah, I, I think it all kind of leads back to, to Mike McDonald. And yeah, I'm with you. I'm very nervous <laughs> that he's not going to be here next year, unless, uh, he's the head coach, but
1: <laughs> we'll cross that bridge later. <laughs> the clowny stuff, uh, He's not a. He's not the king of nearly theirs for me. He's the king of. How did he not? How, how did the? How did he not get that? Sa- how did that guy get away? You know. However, it's 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 slightly different. I guess it's slightly more positive. I don't know. It seems impossible that. That's going to keep happening because he quite literally <laughs> has had two arms full wrap multiple times this season that hasn't ended in a sack. Um, who else did you guys like on the defense flying around on Sunday?
3: I, I, real quickly, I just want to say um, with the, with the clowny thing as well. Um, he is currently ninth in the NFL in pressures with nineteen. Now, look, I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I've said multiple times how I hate the pressure stat and I want sacks for the guy that they brought off the street because they like finally, you know, they were eyeing each other across the bar and they finally, you know, one of them bought the other one a drink. Like that finally happened. Good for them. Uh, and good for Jadavion Clowney. He's currently only one behind Nick Bosa. That ain't bad. Um, nothing to shake a stick at there from Clowney, which I think is great. Um, for me, I mean, look, there's a lot of guys that stood out. We mentioned Patrick Queen already. I think Kyle Hamilton, uh, a, another kind of just sure tackling guy, which is something that you know we've talked about many a times on this podcast. Because of the lack of training camp and, and physicality when it comes to practice, Tackling is kind of a lost art, and Kyle Hamilton is a guy that you can kind of rely on one-on-one in space. He's going to make the play. I thought Arthur Mallett was was good in kind of the first action that we kind of really saw from him in the corner. But another guy I just want to, you know, kind of give a shout-out to is Brandon Stevens. I think he's he's becoming one of these weird players that within Ravens circles he'll be end up being the guy that gets picked on a little bit you know like that general media like this isn't like a Greg Roman thing where even the national media are like oh my god this guy's terrible but a guy that's only really known to Ravens fans but then kind of gets picked on for you know admittedly being hoisted into a role that he's not ready for um you know he is basically playing the Marlon Humphrey role in this offense. And he is a very good rotational defensive back. He is not like an every down starter. He's had to be that because of injuries. And I thought he played well in this game. He obviously gets the interception too, which I think is a huge morale boost for him. So again, it's a guy that when he was taken, right, he was taken in the third round of the draft. It was a converted running back from UCLA transferring to SMU and everybody, and everybody's like, I don't remember who was on the board at that time. I love the draft. I'm not that big of a nerd. Of there were, I remember there were people on the board that the Ravens they thought they're going to take, and this guy Brandon Stevens, who had like a, a sixth round grade according to all the draft "quote unquote" experts, gets taken by the Ravens in the third round, and because of that, he's always kind of had a target on his back for fans a little bit. And I just thought, you know, and by me, my by me as well, you know, not I'm not trying to say I was above that in any in any way, shape, or form, but I thought that. He performed very well, like a solid performance from Brandon Stevens, which, you know, it should be applauded, I think. It took
1: Stevens uh, maybe half an hour to get up after that. Interception. <laughs> yeah, it took, it took a second. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I think he was down. So, I, you know, some, th- <laughs> some things work out for you uh, in Ravenland. It's not always they're not always against you. Um, would have been a difference of I think 50 yards was his return yeah. after that interception. So uh, an awesome play. I just there.
3: want to say too, quickly, just generally, not just other players, but generally, we got to talk about the red zone and the red zone defense. I'll we'll start with the red zone defense here. They currently rank third in red zone touchdown percentage. So once the team gets inside, the uh, opposing team gets inside the 20, they 30 percent of the time they're scoring a touchdown off of that. Again, incredibly impressive from the defense so far this year.
1: Uh, anything else defensively, guys, before we flip uh, offensively? All right. Um, because I, I got to say it. Uh, this was the first game where I noticed Todd Munkin as a positive influence on this team. It was it was supposed to happen. It was supposed to be a thing that happened. <laughs> That's why you change out your your offensive coordinators when, when one is um, literally getting uh, attacked by the citizens of, of the town everywhere. But... Uh, I thought his game plan in this in this game was excellent. Uh, they had running plays designed at Miles Garrett's vacated space. When he rushes, he literally rushes the passer like a sprinter on almost every down. So they had multiple running plays that just went right into the space that he ran away from, led to that Ravens' first easy touchdown. Uh, I thought they had multiple great other run designs inside. The Melvin Gordon long run to the pylon... Uh, deserves 100 rewatches for how beautifully designed and blocked up it was. Every single player is like this perfect little staggered row of blocks leading to this gigantic hole for him to run through. Uh, He used Justice Hill effectively to the edges, which was nice to have him back, created a little bit more dynamism to the run game. The Jackson run with Edwards as a lead blocker, I thought was a cool design. I also very much enjoyed that, Lamar had him by the jersey to like lead him <laughs> like a sled to win which direction that he wanted to go. Uh, and then once the score was 21-3, to 3, he and very likely Harbaugh ran the most vanilla clock-eating plays for the entire second half. I saw nothing in the second <laughs> half that wasn't just a play that they've run either a hundred times or one of those, like, first installs for a new offense. Like, run it up the gut, run it over here, (laughs) run it left. A little slant, a little drag. It was so vanilla. Did they stop getting first downs? Sure, but uh, I think they just knew at that point that Thompson-Robinson was not going to generate offense. The Browns were not coming back in this game, and they said, you know what, we are showing nothing else until the Browns get another first down or get into Raven's territory again because it's just not needed and that's good because we have some other very important games coming up and it's a long season and you want to keep some of that stuff in the bag until you need it so I thought really from start to finish this was a game where I felt Munkin's presence as making the right calls when they needed it and also backing off when when the game was out of hand
2: yeah, and I think it was it was shown in that second quarter most uh, most specifically because you know that's kind of when they put put the game away. They they get the, the one play touchdown. You know, Lamar runs it in. That's nice to cash off the Geno Stone pick. Uh, you know, then they go three and out. They're moving the ball. Then they fumble. <laughs> that probably their only real negative on the offense on the day. That botched exchange. Uh, but then you know they kind of the good news defense stops them and then the offense kind of keeps rolling in that second quarter eight plays ninety three yards four twenty four touchdown ten plays seventy four yards two thirty four touchdown to end the half and that ended the game basically like the way I completely agree with you I, I maybe it was, I don't even know it might have been just some people playing devil's advocate or something but I was not concerned in the slightest the way the Ravens second half played out yeah maybe you'd like a few more. Uh, touchdown, just sort of end the game a little, a little more immediately. But, like, uh, I, I was just – I'm with you, Antonio. I thought they were doing so vanilla and just, like, it was so obvious that the Browns had nothing, that they were like, until they get it to 21-10, to we're not going to try <laughs> anything too crazy. And, uh, again, so they don't score until they get, like, another short field after the Geno Stone pick. So I'm not concerned about anything that happened the second half. I thought those those two – uh, second quarter drives, especially the one right before halftime, were so impressive and just kind of put the game away. And uh, yeah, and I thought we'll get into him specifically more in a, a second. I thought Lamar was excellent, Out, like outright excellent on those two sequences in particular. So I thought it was a good game from the offense. You know, I still think... The Browns' defense is good. I know they probably weren't as good as they were hyped to be, uh, but Garrett still gave them problems until he kind of hurt himself sacking Lamar. (laughs) Um, uh, He he had, what, at least two sacks, right? So, like, it wasn't easy by any means, uh, I wouldn't say. like They're sure to have better offensive performances, but I, I was pretty impressed how they moved the ball in that second quarter. Uh, against this team and put the game away when they needed it like they did what they needed to do and, and they did it then and then it was game over at 21-3 in the halftime
3: yeah just on that before we get to you know Lamar and, and some other specifics I think one of the points that Antonio made there I think really needs to be emphasized Miles Garrett had a great game you know he he predictably was eating Patrick McCari for lunch he would move <laughs> over to the other side and eat Morgan Moses for lunch he would move into the middle and have his way with whoever, not Kevin Zeitler and Tyler Linderbaum, by the way, who both played pretty well. But on that, Todd Bunkin took advantage of this whole, I'm going to move him around, he's going to be everywhere. You know, the, the, the famous clip on, I wouldn't say famous, but the viral clip on Twitter against the Titans was they had two tight ends where Miles Garrett was, and Miles Garrett went to the other side, and the two tight ends followed him. And then Miles Garrett went back to the original side, and the two tight ends followed him again, and it forced a timeout for the Titans. You didn't see a ton of that from the Ravens. They would shift over the running back to kind of help on that side as you needed. But also, when he's moving around and trying to be creative and and, and what have you, Todd Mucken just exposed it and ran right at the vacated space, as Antonio said, which led to a touchdown and led to some big plays as well. So really, really good design of, look, this guy is an elite player. This is a guy who probably Defensive Player of the Year if he stays healthy and continues to dominate on the level that he is, up there with probably Micah Parsons. Those two are kind of 1A, 1B at this point in the season. And knowing that you don't really have a player comparable, you don't have a left tackle that can shut him down, you don't have a top, top elite offensive line where you can just say, hey, just block him, we'll be fine. Finding ways to scheme around him. I thought it was really, really impressive.
1: I'm just – Yeah. It'd be nice to have a player like that, an impact, an impact player uh, like Miles Garrett. For comparison, if you go to the Ravens box score on ESPN, um, one of the players that got a sack is listed as team for the Ravens. So that's that's the level of our pass rush and in, in need of uh, stars at at the position. You know, one one year we'll have a guy with ten with ten sacks, but it was. Um, Frustrating to watch a a talent like Miles Miles Garrett when we haven't had something like that in quite a bit. Uh, How about Lamar? Jace talked about him uh, a little bit already. Good response based on all the kind of negativity from the week before. The fumble, horrendous, Jace. I mean, it was just... It's a non-contact fumble. Uh, We can't have those. Can't have any of those. Uh, He continues to lead the NFL now with yet, a, yet another fumble. <laughs> so that's that's less great. Um, but he seemed to be really in control for, for the majority of this game against a defense that some people actually dared compare to the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. No thank you. Um, but Lamar truly had a handful, not one, a handful of holy crap, type plays that the national media was drooling over uh, on social media as the game went along. My favorite, because there's a couple of them. The touch throw to Gordon was one that I have not seen Jackson make consistently at least, or even attempt. That was one of, one of the prettiest throws. I think he, maybe he's ever made. Um, Certainly not the most high leverage moment, but uh, the one to Andrews was great. The touchdown pass was great touch uh, over, I think three defenders. But the one for me, man, is the scramble and deep throw to Zay Flowers because that is a play and a player in Flowers that the Ravens have never had, ever. That combination of player and play has never existed with this franchise, and I'm going to say it. Nobody's going to like it. I'm going to say it. That is the Ben Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown back breaking play that changes what this offense can be Mm -hmm. i hate that that's what it reminded (laughs) me of because obviously roethlisberger and jackson are different in how they scramble but the continuing the play even the down and distance like gave me flashbacks to the state i think it was second and 29 or it was an absurd down and distance that they just immediately got with one giant chunk play extending the play rolling out and then not giving up on the play or making a bad decision or forcing it into multiple defenders It was a bomb to an open Flowers who, when you give that much time, he will get by whoever is guarding him in man-to-man. It's just impossible that somebody's going to stick with him for that long. (laughs) Even the, the sound of him catching the ball was like a pleasant, it was like the ball in the catcher's mitt type of a sound. It was beautiful. Everything about it was amazing. And that is what this offense needs to generate once a game in January. They've never done it before. It is very exciting. To see that that particular type of play exists now with this offense. That's well,
3: oh, go ahead, Jace. Go ahead.
2: I, I sorry, Tim. I, I was just going to say. Uh, I I think for me, this kind of speaks to the brilliance, and I think some uh, it feeds into a little bit of. What we were kind of complaining about with Lamar last week, not throwing the ball away, is he's going to hold onto the ball and he's going to try to make a play. And this time, it worked out brilliantly. I was watching this, you know, with my family, and both my dad and myself at the exact same time yelled, "Throw it away!" <laughs> when he he started kind of scrambling, and then he uncorks. You you mentioned the down, second and 29, uh, 43 yard completion. Uh, and yeah, I mean that sets up that final touchdown. I mean all those, all three of those passes you mentioned, Antonio the the drop of the bucket to Gordon, the touchdown to Andrews. That's all the same sequence. It's all that drive, and so to just string those passes together, I mean that's elite level stuff. And I mean that's. That's what, like, you know, you mentioned. Everyone was talking about. And It's the kind of plays, you know. This he is a former MVP. It's an MVP type play, and he, you know, he he strings enough those plays together. He's going to be in the MVP conversation, I think, depending on how the Ravens' record goes. Even if his yardage totals might not be all the all the way up there. It was just really, really impressive stuff. And I think that play in particular. Yeah, I mean, that was the highlight of this game. That that play, second and twenty nine, and just the arm strength it takes to throw because he throws on the run. And he's several, I like it's a 43-yard completion, but he's how many yards deep uh, behind the line of scrimmage? Like, he, he probably threw that thing close to, like, 40-some 40, 40 yards in the air, just 50 yards. It was crazy. It was just an all-on-the-run. He didn't even plant and throw. So that, that was just next-level stuff, and that was just, just an incredible, incredible play. And, uh,
3: yeah, uh, long may it continue. <laughs> it's creativity in the pocket, which I think is the most important thing here of And this is a fine line because we talk about the hero ball sometimes as as a massive negative. Most of the time we do, but it's, it's that fine line of forcing it enough, but not forcing it too much. And that was the perfect combination. And, and Antonio is right. Having a guy like Zay flowers is, is going to maximize that. Maybe, maybe this is what we've been, Lamar's been thinking the whole time, but he's throwing to Willie Sneed and he's not throwing to, (laughs) that was, that was a shot. I'm sorry, Willie. Um, and he's not throwing a guy like Zay Flowers, who we know can get open, and we know can kind of be the the guy on the other end of the the backyard, you know, sandlot play. Basically, I think was great. Um, before before we you know continue the love fest, I am just gonna go negative once. I mean, the, the while we're talking about Jackson, the fumble, man, like the, the the exchange to the running back is completely on him. It's completely his fault, and. I think we've said on this podcast a number of times. I can complain about it all I want. This is just who he is. You know, there's going to be a one ridiculous turnover a game. You hope it happens in the first quarter and like it doesn't affect you late in games and crucial situations. But really annoying to see. It's like the just like it's the one thorn in the side. Basically, I was trying to make a better metaphor or something there, and I just couldn't think of anything. It's just the one thorn in the side and a really good performance that you're like yeah but like if you wanted to nitpick there's the thing to nitpick and i just i hate that it's still an issue um for him and and for the team in general
2: it it did give me some some dangerous flashbacks to just the Kenyon drake fumble last week where you're up seven to three you're you're rolling on that drive like it looks like they're getting points and again the browns have done nothing all day to this point like as antonio and we've talked about that there 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 are three points kind of a fluke even in that sense and you're just like oh my god they're gonna just set them up right near midfield just don't beat yourself yeah uh from there yeah obviously he put it together i mean that you know that that pass to zay was the play of the game but i don't think we can undersell how great that that touchdown to andrews was i mean that he he that like that was just perfect perfect placement like He threw it where only Andrews could get it, you know. He's got a 6'5 tight end jumping over a bunch of like 5'9 to 5'10 DBs, and he put it exactly where it needed to be. That was just such a magnificent throw. And it was something we haven't seen a ton of, which is a touchdown before the half. I know we've been harping about that, about them somehow not kind of fully taking advantage of these sort of two-minute situations the last several years. So that was nice to see, and and that ended the game. I think at, like, 21-3, I was like, this game's over. I didn't want to, like, text anyone that, but it certainly felt like that to me. Uh, I didn't want to put that out in writing into the world, but in my head, I was like, I I just don't see the Browns scoring enough. So to to cash in there and go into the half, it was great, and then, yeah, it was kind of just smooth sailing from there.
1: Mark Andrews had five catches in this game, and I'm trying to think. I I believe they were all either touchdowns or first downs. I, I'd have to go back and really look at it. But just, he's a complete player, man. He moves the chains, and, is, and he's a playmaker. And he breaks tackles. Uh, I love him, and I'm I'm very <laughs> uh, glad that he's already signed to a long term <laughs> a long term mm-hmm. deal. Um, he's um. A- He's like, I think, five touchdowns away
2: from becoming our all-time leader in touchdown receptions, which says a lot about the Ravens history. But uh, yeah, good, good on him. This was a, a fantastic game. And uh, one just other Lamar to Andrews play, Antonio, that that Lamar's short little cross dump across his body sort of that then Andrews took. That was just – that was, a, I think, a perfect encapsulation of playmaking by both of those guys. And, and that was – you know, the Browns didn't have that element on Sunday, and we did, and it was great to see, because, yeah, they, that connection's great, and
1: uh, now that, you know, it's it's the kind of key to everything the Ravens do. Some some last uh, news and notes uh, from this game. Another eight penalties for 92 yards <laughs> committed by the Ravens, including at least one on special teams, so, uh, boy, don't be around John Harbaugh this week in practice, uh, if, if at all possible. Uh, Kyle Van Noy, fun, great. Showed up like two days ago, and he is a vital member of this defensive rotation. Uh, I'm just, I wrote this sarcastically, so I wanted to make sure not to say it in the wrong tone. But uh, I can't wait to hear what Morgan Moses's injury is because <laughs> it looked not great. And uh, yeah, boy, it would just continue the the thread of issues for this team. Apparently, not like a year ender, but it's all mysterious and quiet um so we'll find we'll find out about that certainly look like
2: he was grabbing at his peck as looked he like walked a off the me. field <laughs> yeah
1: so we'll see uh and then just some other things really that don't have to do with this game in particular but marlon humphrey not going on ir uh and then missing four games is fantastic we might miss six might miss eight uh It would be uh, hysterical if he misses half the season and didn't go on four-week IR. Uh, Marcus (laughs) Williams, practicing all week and then still missing the game, is also fantastic to me. We know the deal with Ronnie Stanley. He also practiced and then was just absolutely not going to play, so we'll see if we get some of these guys back. It would be nice to get them back in bunches, but very likely going to be a (laughs) one-guy-per-week-comes-back scenario, so... Uh, anything else from this game, guys? Before we move on to the NFL, it was nice to see
2: Tyler Linderbaum back because I've just been become so accustomed to just losing these guys for the entire season that when it is like an injury and then a guy comes back from an injury in just like two weeks, you're like, oh, welcome back. It was a it was a nice <laughs> it was nice to see number sixty four out there. Um, you know, the, the Moses injury I think leaves me less concerned long term because I think he'll definitely be out for a while. But, you know, Daniel Filele, in theory, he's probably supposed to be your starting right tackle if you're thinking of, like, contract situations and developmental players next year. So he's he's taken over now. <laughs> Just figure it out, I guess. Uh, uh, he, grab the reins and run with it sort of deal. Uh And then I just wanted to note, because I ragged on him all last week and said he probably shouldn't be the coach next year, but uh, John Harbaugh, he did get his 150th win, uh, regular season win with the Ravens. It's a short list. It moves him, uh, I believe, to number 24 all time. One spot ahead of Tim, uh, a coach I know Tim loves, which is longtime Steelers coach Bill Cower on the all time wins list. So that was wonderful to see this morning, uh, even though Harbaugh's been rubbing me the wrong way of late with just, you know, pronouncements of we didn't put a timetable on Marlon Humphrey, even though they did clearly when they didn't put him on IR, that sort of thing. Even though that stuff drives me insane and up a wall with uh, Johnny Harb. Still nice to see him above Cower on the all-time wins list. Uh, I'm not going to lie. So that, that that brought a smile to my face saying that this morning.
3: Yeah, just a, a couple things. You know, one, as we get into the preview, don't ride too high off of this win and <laughs> let it disappoint you um, next week. We'll talk about that uh, in just a couple of minutes here after doing some other things. Um I thought Gus Edwards had a pretty decent game, too. The yards after contact are continuing to rise. On the Linderbaum thing, Jace, I don't know if you saw, but you know Ryan Mink on, on Twitter, um, who works for the Ravens, had a clip of, I think it was towards the goal line. It might have been a touchdown play. I can't remember. He has a block where he chips one guy like you normally would, just kind of throws his shoulder into him, and then has to hit another guy on the other side. So basically just backs up on him and like throws his buttocks <laughs> at this guy and lays him out as well. The most like dudes rock offensive line block of all time. Uh, I thought that was great. And just you know, I'm, I'm with you, Jace. Like that put a smile on my face watching Linderbaum do that. Um, and then I should mention too, you know, we talked about the defensive red zone efficiency, the offensive red zone efficiency is incredible as well. These are all per Daniel Reese, who is like a statistician guy who follows the Ravens on Twitter. Um, You know, I said the Ravens defense currently ranks third in red zone touchdown percentage at 30%. On the other side of the ball, they're the best team in the league in red zone touchdown percentage. 80% of the time, they get into the red zone, they're scoring touchdowns. It's efficiency. It's efficiency. It's capitalizing on good drives. It's making teams pay for letting you get down there into that money area. And, you know, closing drives. getting Getting the seven when you need the seven. We should mention... The stroke of halftime, getting a touchdown, leading into halftime, something that we complain about incessantly on this podcast. They they did that as well. A really, really efficient, um, well-executed game from the Ravens all around. It was nice to see.
2: And I, I guess just a, a final thought, uh, parting thought. We mentioned it, but uh, don't panic about the fact that they gained, like, no yards in the second half, really. <laughs> uh, it's not a big deal. It was fine. They were... It was vanilla. You know, at one point they put up a graphic on CBS that showed it was like with two minutes to go in the third quarter and it showed the yards in the whole quarter were eight for the Ravens to five for the Browns. And my family and I were just marveling about like we've watched this whole thing and how has nothing. How's just nothing happened for an entire quarter of an NFL game for either team. It was just one of those games, you know. They they got the points they needed to. It was great to add one final touchdown to just end that stupid 28-point streak <laughs> to that talking point because it's been a full calendar year uh, at this point, Antonio. I believe it was week three against the Patriots last season. They last eclipsed 28. So that's over. It was nice to tack that last touchdown on. Don't otherwise think too much about the offense performance in the second half. And just enjoy an easy win because, yeah, as Tim kind of mentioned, uh, I'm sure this week will not be easy uh, against what seems to be a – Uh, trending down Steelers team
1: (laughs) (laughs) let's uh let's turn now to the NFL but only sort of to the rest of the NFL because I want to ask quickly for my two co-hosts you know we're at the it used to be gosh I still want 16 game seasons you had the first four games and it was the perfect quarter poll you know uh assessment time the Ravens four games in obviously three and one a 3-1 we probably would have taken at the beginning of the season, and now it's one that we're kind of annoyed by and, and think that the team <laughs> really could and should and definitely should be 4-0. But as we are a month in, uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on kind of the Ravens' status in the league. There's the status in the AFC. We have seen some bad football. We've seen some bad teams. We've seen players, uh, quarterbacks really get hurt on a lot of teams. Uh, if you look at the rest of the AFC North, the Bengals are obviously still limited with whatever's going on with Joe Burrow. They've looked horrendous now; they're one and three. The Steelers are not good, in my opinion. They're two and two, but a, I think a pretty weak two and two, getting blown out by the Houston Texans. Um, waiting on Kenny Pickett's injury status. I just saw, by the way, a little announcement on Twitter. Uh, Ian Rapaport. Uh, I believe this is I'm I'm like eight times checking this to make sure that I'm not getting uh, duped by a fake account, but it appears to be a bone bruise only for Kenny Pickett, so a short-term absence, potentially may be able to play uh, against the Ravens, but might take the week off because they have a bye uh, in week six, which would give them a few weeks, so not a devastating year-ender for them, but still an injured starting quarterback uh, in Pittsburgh, and then the Browns we know what's going on there. So Ravens first place in wins, uh, first place in quarterback health in the AFC North, at least, um, first place in for vibes, uh, to me in the AFC North, (laughs) what is your guys, uh, sort of status of, of the team four games in, into the season? Well, yeah, you mentioned the three, the one
2: of the three and one is certainly not, I think a game I expected them to lose. It's been kind of weird from, from that sense. Uh, But I think you can't, it's hard to be anything but pleased with their performance. I mean, you kind of mentioned uh, they had this weird schedule where they're getting all their road games out of the way in division, you know, before the first week of October is over. And they've won the first two. And if you win on Sunday, you don't travel in the division again for the rest of the year. So uh, they're definitely in the driver's seat. And I think it's, it's, hard to be displeased. There's certainly room for growth. Well, you know, Lamar mentioned with the offense, like he thought they had missed opportunities and stuff. And yeah, there's there's room to keep growing. But I, I think uh, given the injury situation too, they faced, it's hard to not be pleased. And I think you look around at the rest of the AFC and it's certainly, I think not at large, the murderer's row we kind of thought it would be. Everyone kind of said, look how stacked this conference is. And I think there's like four good teams. And I think the Ravens are one of those teams. So, you know, I know everything I said about last week, about how this team isn't competing for the super bowl or anything under John Harbaugh. But they might compete for the Super Bowl this year. He's back. He's back in. (laughs) You know, I kind of have mentioned it, but if they keep number eight healthy and they keep number zero healthy on the defensive side, I think they can make everything else work. And if they get Marlon Humphrey back ever, that would be great. That would be a big help. Uh, You know, if they get some of these other guys, OBJ back, Rashad Bateman back at a certain point, that would help too. OBJ in particular, I think. But. I don't know. Look yeah, at, listen it's... to all
3: the players you're listening. Listen to what you're doing right now. I'm not trying. Man, I didn't want to be the negative Nancy here. But guys, <laughs> I think what I think. It can't get worse. <laughs> Despite what history says. Have you watched the last two seasons? It can absolutely get worse. Tyler Huntley could be out there for the entire game for the oh, rest don't of the season. Say that. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I don't want to. But I think. I think our optimism for this team is more a sense of just kind of how mid everybody else is. You know, this is not an original point for me. Uh, One of the 400 football podcasts I listened to on a Monday made this point, and I completely agree. Do you remember last season, uh, before the season, everybody praised the AFC West, and people were trying to pick teams that would, like, dethrone the chiefs It's like oh russell wilson's coming in oh the raiders got some talent there justin herbert gonna take the step take the leap and then the afc west was just kind of eh. outside of the chiefs that's the afc north this year the afc Mm. north you have people you have one very famous podcaster pick the steelers to be the number one seed and compare the (laughs) cleveland defense to the 2000 ravens wrong on both counts sir uh you have this Again, Pittsburgh, incredible preseason. They're supposed to be the team. Kenny Pickett tapes the leap. The defense is good. Cleveland, if if Deshaun Watson could figure it out, they got all the pieces. Joey Burr and and that Cincinnati Bengals team looking to dominate. None of that has come true. And then the Ravens, just everybody gets injured. Classic. (laughs) None of that has come true, and and the AFC North is kind of just eh. Now, look, getting two division wins under your belt already with a prime opportunity to get a third (laughs) – I think is really really important here um, for Baltimore. I think going three and zero, and we'll talk about the uh, the Steelers game here in a bit. Going three and zero in the division here, right now, with the injury issues you have already, would be a massive step for the Ravens. And I think I think it's division or bust at that point um, if you can do that. But I'm not. Maybe I'm just trying to level expectations after a good performance against a you know what should be a practice squad quarterback. I'm not sitting here going Super Bowl yet. And, and a, lot of it, a lot of it, I will admit, is because I'm just scared of the injuries. You talk about Ronnie Stanley. I don't know if Ronnie Stanley's ever going to come back. Like, I, w- like, what are we doing here? He plays like three games maximum, then it's another injury. God willing, Tyler Linderbaum stays healthy. Marlon Humphrey, we have no idea when Marlon Humphrey's coming back. No sense of when he's actually going to return, even though he wasn't placed on IR. Um, you know, again, Nelson Aguilar was receiver too. If Zay Flowers wasn't so good, people would be losing their minds about this. receiving core is just the same as it's always been because Agalor is number two. You know, the famous the famous Philly clip. And we caught him, unlike Agalor, uh, the, the news clip from years ago. If you don't know the reference, YouTube will right you there in front of you. Look it up; it's very very funny. Um, and the streakiness of this team bothers me as well. Like like, yeah, great. We're all we're all kumbaya after a win over the Browns, but we were fire and brimstone last week because they shot themselves in the foot like Plaxico Burris over and over and over again last week against the Colts. It just – I want to get there with you guys. I want to get there and say, look, this league sucks. This is the Ravens' chance, and this is the one they have to take. I still still see where you're coming from. I just can't get there yet until they string a couple solid, convincing – performances together and keep the team healthy i didn't mean to be so negative but that's just kind of that's where i sit It's where i sit
1: i mean the consistency thing is is the key there the injuries we we hope and pray and we have zero control over it really winning back-to-back games would be nice on the road that they, <laughs> they have a perfect opportunity to prove uh that they are going to be a consistent football team with this back-to-back that they have against uh cleveland and then pittsburgh but yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning yeah, you'll be shocked. I'm kind of leaning on the more positive side of this just seeing these other teams. It is just a, you know, you don't have to be the best team in the history of football to win the Super Bowl or go to the Super Bowl. You have to beat the other teams in your division in your conference uh for that year and there's just not a ton of teams that look that the Ravens couldn't beat, you know, on any given on any given Sunday or even 6 6 out of 10 times. So that, that leaves me feeling a little bit good as long as the quarterback is, is still playing football for the Ravens. And I think that every week you're going to see one starter back, one starter back, one starter back. And then we'll see how many can remain healthy as the season uh, so as the season continues. But long season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a week, week-to-week season, given what Jace just said about the Ravens winning the Super Bowl and where he was the week before on, on this team. Yeah. Um, As was I, really, to be quite honest.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Tim nailed it so good. Like, I think this is—I think two things are true. I think this is our division to lose at this point. At three and one, two road wins. I think we have the best quarterback in the division with Burrow clearly very hurt and probably shouldn't be playing the way they seem. They seem so bad against the Titans on on Sunday, Um, and it seems like the Bengals are just kind of spiraling, and, and the Steelers. I'm sure they can still beat us, but they 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 don't seem that good. The Browns are, the, you know, they already lost their best player in Nick Chubb, and now Watson's not playing for whatever reason. Uh, and uh, yeah, I so I think it puts us in the driver's seat. But I think as our rants, and I kind of still stand by it. Like recent years proved that we can, like it's ours to lose, but we can do that. Like the Ravens can, as you said, shoot themselves in the foot and fall on their face and not close this out. They've been leading this division, I think, at various points, like, each of the last two years only to kind of unravel. So, you know, it's still so long, but I, this feels like, and I think it's more, yeah, as as kind of, like Antonio said too, just where other teams are standing. Even the Chiefs don't seem that good this year. I think they have the best player in the league, which helps, in <laughs> Patrick Mums. Uh And their defense is actually okay, but... Uh, it, it, it just seems like every team has a glaring flaw, and the Ravens do too. So, you know, who knows? It, it's it's so early still, but I, I like where they're standing at all things considered.
1: The, the Burrow stuff is kind of the narrative is hilarious to me, not because he's injured, but because of the, yeah, he can't rest because they need him out there because they can't lose games and fall further behind and then he plays and he throws for 165 yards in a game that they are behind the entire game and need to be passing. So obviously he's not even... He's almost like below replacement level player, but they're still continuing to start him out of fear that they can't afford to have a backup, lose a game for that. Just they're in a a spiral of of concern there. Um, The Bengals play two weak uh, opponents in theory coming up. I believe they have the Cardinals next... Mm -hmm. Uh, and then it's another weak opponent. Oh, they play home to the Seattle Seahawks week, the week after. So maybe this is the spot week to try to rest him up, but, um, we haven't seen it yet. So, uh, elsewhere, uh, in the NFL, some results that were, uh, interesting. Zach Wilson, uh, in my opinion, plays just well enough to continue losing games for the New York football jets. Um, as the season has gone week in, week out is odd. The Cowboys now back up after getting embarrassed last week. They then do the embarrassing against the Pats. LOL. And the <laughs> Dolphins who were the toast of the league last week with 70 points scored are now down giving up almost 50. Um, the Broncos-Bears game went exactly as it should have. <laughs> Jace Evans wagered on this game, or at least put it in his picks. I'm not sure if he actually ended up taking the plunge. but I Had some um, had some real-life money involved. <laughs> that game went uh, exactly as You're a as psychopath! It have, where, where one team played badly in one half, and the other team played badly in the other half. Then it was poetic justice that the line was three and a half, and the Broncos won by exactly three um, with that half point. Being very important uh, to the gambling community, um, but what 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 games did you guys uh, laugh at or enjoy uh, this week?
2: I mean, I, I think uh, I don't know if I enjoy this because I think it comes at uh, of all the the teams we were talking about. Everyone has a flaw. I do think the Bills are the best team in the AFC. I think uh, I think Josh Allen's just complete meltdown on the Monday Night Football opener in the Aaron Rodgers injury game. I think threw everyone off the scent because they have just been hammering teams for three straight weeks that, you know, they blow out the Dolphins this week. They blow out the commanders last week. They blow out the Raiders the week before that. They are putting up big points. You know, he only has four incompletions all day on Sunday and goes for over 300 yards with four tutties. Yeah, 21, 25, 320, four touchdowns. The Bills are really, really good still. They did lose Trey White for the season, but they are getting Von Miller back, I believe, at some point. I don't know if he actually has played yet. Um, I think the Bills are really good. I I don't know that that's a controversial opinion, but everyone, I think, was quick because we like new things, trying to anoint the Dolphins. And I think it was just a reminder of the Bills being like, hey, we're, we're the best team in the AFC. And I think they've proved it aside from basically... Uh, the worst maybe arguably the worst game of Josh Allen's entire career in week one, uh, they'd be four and oh, and everyone would be like, Oh yeah, this is one of the three best teams in the NFL, which they are, I think.
3: Yeah. There's a, there's a lot here. It was kind of a sneaky electric week in the national football league. And this is why, again, you got to watch with three TVs, ladies and gentlemen, at least have, (laughs) at least have a screen on red zone while you're watching your favorite team, you know, play well this week and then blow it the next (laughs) <laughs> um, let's start, I want to start in London and just, I didn't watch a ton of this Falcons Jaguars game, but if you didn't know, they did a toy story broadcast on Disney plus where basically they made everything toys and, and Jace is laughing cause he thinks I'm going to disparage this. I thought it was kind of a cool concept and I thought that it was executed relatively well. Um, at least a little bit that I watched and the clips you saw on Twitter and stuff, it's very kid friendly as it should be. Um, It was very much like a booger being like a catch is when the receiver puts two hands on the ball and it doesn't hit the ground, which is fine. Teach another generation um, in a way that's going to keep their attention in in a world that, you know, is so hard to keep the attention of anybody these days. Uh, Try and find a new way for people to watch football. I I I thought it was really cool. And I'm sure parents loved it as well because, you know. Most of them, they were not sleeping until ten thirty when they have a, when they have a child. It's that, that nine thirty was like four hours into their day at that point. I'm sure for the people trying to tune into that broadcast. So I thought that was that was kind of just a cool thing. I'm not going to wax poetic about the Bills. I I'll say this: I don't think the Dolphins need to worry about this result. Um, you know, I think they need still need to worry about Tua getting hurt and maybe playing in the cold and stuff like that. Outside of that, I think they're fine. The Bills just kind of showed up and showed out. Um, the Bengals. Just a little bit more on them. We all kind of disposed of the Titans again too early. When <laughs> I think it was last week, we were like, "Oh, this is the team." not the uh, previous round of games, excuse me. It was like, "Oh man, the Titans got upset. Maybe they don't have that Vrabel edge anymore." No, they do. Derrick Henry's back to his best. That team's going to be a pain in the butt in December, and whoever has to face them, you know, they might be five and. 7 or whatever it is late in the year but then if you have to play the Titans for a division record or like a playoff berth or what have you you're you're scared uh, you know terrified having to play them the Bengals by the way their points per drive average is around the New York Giants in Daniel Jones's second year and the Sam Darnold led <laughs> New York Jets um they are that bad on offense right now with Joe Burrow and 3 points against that Titans team is just just disgusting um Shout out to our Commanders fans. The Commanders look like an okay team. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but really challenged um, the Eagles. Uh, We can no longer call him Riverboat Ron. You got to take the Riverboat out of his name after not going for two to potentially beat the Eagles.
2: You have to go for two there. You have to go for two. How do you not? (laughs) You score with with no time on the clock as the road team. Against an undefeated team, you're not going to go for two. And credit, That's crazy. And
3: credit to Jace <laughs> for actually explaining the situation rather than me just glossing over it, assuming that you saw it because you probably don't have the three TVs because you're a sane person, <laughs> unlike me. Um, yeah, I yeah, I think it's it was ridiculous. The Eagles get out by the skin of their teeth. I think that Eagles team they are undefeated. They're four and zero. We haven't seen the best of the Eagles yet. Um, and I'd be a little bit worried if I was a Philly fan. But optimistically, you're like, hey, look, you know, it's fine. Um, we'll be okay um The the Patriots are dead. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. You know, you you could have been early to this take, and I would have been. I would have been proud of you and good for you. The Patriots are definitively dead, and for the good of their franchise, should probably try and tank for Caleb Williams. I won't well, do it. I won't. I won't say that they should do. I don't. I don't want them to do that because I don't want them to be good ever again. On this podcast, I have said many a time, I don't want the Patriots to be bad. I just want the Patriots to be eight and nine for the rest of my life. I just want them to be eight and nine and not matter and get a few like one or two big wins a year where people are like, Oh, the Pats are back and then they're just eight and nine. And they're just fine. And I never have to think about them again. Mac Jones I mean, my God. that that's a that's a they have to move on. They have to move on. They have to find a new quarterback. It might be the Bailey Zappy era for the rest of the year until they can maybe replace him with a veteran or or a draft pick or what have you, but the Patriots, man. And and Bill Belichick looks lost. It looks like there's elements of the game, and I want to be very careful about how I say this, elements of the game have passed him by. He is still the greatest coach of all time. But something is inherently wrong with that New England team, and I I just don't understand it. Uh, Just two more quick things, too. Texans. That win versus Texans in week one looks better and better every week. That team is, like, actually good – C.J. Stroud, I think, is already making the case that he should have been the number one overall pick, especially with how uh, Bryce Young has played. And he just looks like a NFL quarterback. Now, how good is he going to be? I don't know. Good on the Texans. Totally means the Steelers are going to rebound and beat the Ravens. But again, (laughs) we'll get to that. Keep teasing that one. Um, And finally, the funniest play of the day. Have to bring some some, some fun into this, this conversation. Kirk Cousins. (laughs) Who knew he would be the content king? Kirk Cousins, him of the Old Navy sponsorship. Literally sponsored (laughs) by Old Navy because he wears so many dad clothes. Hey, good on him, Old Navy. Good stuff there. and pretty cheap, too. Throws a 99-yard interception uh, on the one. He throws the pick. The defender runs it back for a touchdown. And God bless you, Kirk Cousins. He does his very best to try and make up for the error of his ways. He tries to run this guy down and tackle him. And gets absolutely leveled by a blocker for his efforts. <laughs> it, it, the ultimate bad look uh, on the screen. But, man, every time they showed it, I made sure that the people I was watching with, like, Hey, 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 the Kirk play's coming. The Kirk play's coming. Watch the Kirk play. Here it comes. We saw it about four or five times across the broadcast. It was just spectre, uh watching that over and over again. So, yeah, an overall really, really fun NFL weekend. Kirk might lead the league in, like, just funniest on-field
2: plays, whether it's like in the playoffs last year, throwing a check down on like third and nine, he completes for like four yards or whatever it was, this pick six, he's always doing something zany, currently leads the league in touchdowns for a 1-3 and team, which is very funny, Justin Jefferson, once again, the best receiver in the NFL, Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Kirk's always up to something. I just wanted to circle back very briefly, Tim, on the, the Pats point you mentioned, because the Patriots, yeah, might be too dead, and now I'm worried that they're going to be very in the mix for uh, one of these top quarterbacks atop the 24 draft, because, uh, I mean, that was the worst loss of Belichick's entire coaching career, 35 points, he'd never lost a game by a larger margin. Um, certainly seems like the beginning of the end uh, for him in New England, at the very least, Uh the way things are going, um, but I will say uh, we mentioned it in passing. He'll have some competition though, over the Pats for the first overall pick because the Bears right now inside track at the first two picks of the draft. Bears zero four, Panthers zero four. Who owe their pick to the Bears? Uh, the only two and fours out there right now. So, so twenty twenty four Caleb Williams watch uh, looking looking good. The Bears' chances of drafting him or not drafting him if he just refuses to play for the Bears and stays at school. Uh, you know, they have the inside track to these first two picks
1: or maybe, uh, you know, they'll trade both those picks, uh, and just keep building, uh, around stacking see, talent. See how that goes. Um, yeah, I mean, again, it's week four, so I'm going to give myself a small pat on the back, not a major pat in the back. Cause who knows what these teams and Patriots, but heavy on the under seven and a half wins for the new England Patriots. And they may not be close to that based on how at least the first month has gone. Um, let's go now to, to the Ravens again, because they have another game coming against their, uh, rivals, kind of, uh, a little quieter in the rivalry than, than it has been, uh, back in the Ray Reed Suggs days, but Ravens at the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore four and a half point favorites. Uh, this line is interesting. First of all, just in terms of the narratives of the actual game, I believe when the line was posted, it was very unclear who would be playing quarterback or what the injury was for Pickett. I suppose we still don't know who's going to be playing quarterback, but with Pickett not being out with a sort of major injury and potentially being able to play, this line may change. I would not be shocked if this line moves a little bit if two days from now Pickett is already back uh, at practice, but we'll see how that all goes through the week, but at the moment... It's Ravens favorite by four and a half in Pittsburgh. Um, we've had this conversation multiple weeks, it feels like, with quarterbacks, but <laughs> here we go again. Uh, who would you rather play? Who are you more afraid of, given the uh, status of Pickett? Probably, you know, not 100% if he does play in this game. Or Mitch, good old Mitch Trubisky, whose soul was stolen by Baltimore last year when he played uh, in Pittsburgh multiple horrendous interceptions um i'm going to sort of give a little teaser to my pick for this uh for this week but neither of them scare me really at all um but i'm curious as to uh which of these two quarterbacks you'd rather rather see or maybe which one could could cause
3: more of an issue for baltimore it doesn't matter i think there's just like <laughs> either one there's going to be some stupid like Ravens sleeping at the wheel making their own mistakes and all of a sudden uh, George Pickens breaks free for like a 50 yard gain it's either Mitch Trubisky redemption tour or it's Pickett on one leg beats the Ravens team who we just crowned AFC North champs pick your poison man it's gonna be bad yeah they did manage to lose to Kenny
2: Pickett
1: last year <laughs> um I, I think they scored it was, it was a Tyler Huntley led yeah. offense Jace come on now yeah uh with no
2: receivers you, whatsoever. You mentioned Trubisky. He was moving the ball a little bit against them in that game, but then those those picks undermined them. They're both bad. They're both bad quarterbacks. I think this will be the game where we fully find out, uh, you know, Steelers fans have been complaining about Matt Canada for the better part of a year and a half, one-time Terps interim coach. Uh, and um, I think this will be the game where we find out if it's a fully him problem or if Kenny Pickett's part of the problem, because if Trubisky steps in and is, like, decent, then it might be a, uh-oh, this quarterback's not good <laughs> situation, or at least took a step back. Certainly hasn't taken a leap. I don't think either are particularly good. I don't know that I prefer one or over the other. Uh, as you mentioned, Trubisky, a lot more experienced, but, you know, that means we've seen a lot of tape of Mitch, and we know what to expect, so... Yeah, I think we'll find out the, how much Matt Canada truly is factoring into the Steelers' problems, but they've been awful on offense. I mean, they're one of the worst offenses in the league, and yeah, as I kind of mentioned the top of the show, just another reminder, uh, preseason doesn't matter, because now that they're playing real defenses, the Steelers uh, just look bad against the Texans, and like the Texans are improved for sure, but they didn't do anything really, and, and that's kind of bad. They should have lost to the Browns. Got lucky there. Like this is not a good football team right now. Um, am I still very concerned? Of course. Uh, are we? Because just the principle of are we really going to go three and and0 in division road games in twenty twenty three? I don't know if I believe that or not. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the Steelers offense just to this point just been so bad.
3: Yeah, real quickly, <laughs> I just I would say sorry, Antonio. I think the biggest mish- mismatch in this game. Is Mike McDonald versus Matt Canada. Is Roquan Smith versus Matt Canada. Matt Canada is the new Greg Roman of the National Football League where the national media is starting to see what the local fan base has seen for like three years of like this just doesn't work. And with Greg Roman, there was real success there. With Matt Canada, there has been none of that, and yet he still has a job. So that's where they need that's where they need to really expose and you know, kind of like the Cleveland game here. Whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it's Mitch Trubisky. The defense needs to set the tone early and often in this game and and make it as easy as possible for the Ravens' offense, who are prone to some mistakes on their own, to not have to win the game. The defense has to win the game here for the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I wonder if, given what we've seen, what the league has seen, what the Steelers have seen from the Ravens' defense, it's fast, it's physical, it's one of the league-leading teams in sacks, if a... 80% 80 percent, picket is rested. As I mentioned earlier, they have the a buy after that game. Kind of seems like the perfect opportunity to not quote unquote risk your uh, your starting quarterback. And then Mitch Trubisky. I don't know. He's he's not. If he were like a third year player, if he were third year Mitch Trubisky, I'd be more concerned. I'd be more about oh well, you know. He's frisky every so often, he extends plays, he's faster than you think. He's 29 years old, he's been in the league, this is his 7th year in the league, we know what he is, he's he's less athletic now than he was 5 years ago, that's a given. He still makes the boneheaded plays, I just don't know over 60 minutes what he's going to do to really be a threat. They're going to have one dumb play, Tim. I 100% agree. Oh. <laughs> offensively and defensively.
0: Yeah, the Steelers
1: will have, like, the, the screen that turns into a 70-yard touchdown or something There's a broken tackle or miscommunication. The Ravens offensively, Lamar will fumble, and it'll probably get picked up for a touchdown. And yet, even with that, a healthy Raven offense, relatively speaking, they have enough weapons, they have a healthy quarterback, they have enough on the offensive line. The running backs have looked pretty strong, even without Dobbins. I just don't know how Pittsburgh kind of ha- hangs on uh, in this game as as the quarters go by. Um, I mentioned earlier the perfect opportunity for the Ravens to establish consistency week over week. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm just going to jump into it. I'm taking the Ravens. I'm taking all four and a half of these points uh, I'm going to be sweating. It's going to be annoying. But until Lamar Jackson is hurt, I'm going to take them in these division matchups when the quarterback discrepancy is so wide. Um, the Steelers have basically only scored touchdowns on, like, gi- gigantic plays. I think they have, like, four positive offensive plays all season, and they've been uh, bombs to, to pickens. Even if that great... That can happen one time I don't think it's gonna happen four times and I kind of see the Ravens winning like a 27-17 um, type game so I'm, I'm taking the Ravens and uh, can't wait can't wait till next week when we're talking about it
3: yeah um uh, per usual Antonio with the voice of reason on this podcast make some really salient points about matchups and advantages and disadvantages I've never seen an easier Steelers plus four and a half Ravens win by three it's it's 21 20 or 21 18 for some reason and the Ravens win we're all mad about it um they go three and zero away away in the division which is incredible but we're we still find reasons to be upset because they can't beat them by <laughs> more than three points Ravens win Steelers plus four and a half I, I mean I just this is this is all the packaging of these games rolled into one. Even though, if you know, quote unquote, they don't, might not mean as much anymore or whatever it is, what what have you. It it's it's Steelers plus four and a half, but I think the Ravens probably win.
2: The path for the Steelers winning is it is it's a rooted in the consistency that we've mentioned and the Ravens not finding it, and that starts with the quarterback. Uh, just, you know, I don't think it's a secret he struggled against the Steelers uh, compared to their other division mates, but I've pulled up some stats for you all just to look uh, look into that. Against the Cincinnati Bengals, Lamar Jackson, 7-2, 12 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Against the Cleveland Browns, Lamar Jackson, 7-3, 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Against the Pittsburgh Steelers, he somehow gets hurt all the time, so he somehow has barely played them. He's only two and three with four touchdowns and six interceptions. Uh, the key to the Steelers winning will be if they turn him over. He threw has thrown a pick six on the first play of a game against the Steelers before. Uh, he, I'm sure I don't he's that. had some. <laughs> I'm sure he's had some awful fumbles. The key for the Steelers winning is basically the Ravens losing uh, the game. Um, and can I see that happening? Sure, I could see it being too good to be true. A three and road division start. Uh, and, and the Ravens completely fumbling the game away on defense as Mitch Trubisky does nothing, and the Steelers win like 17-14 to 14 or something. But this is a new year. Uh, I'm attempting it to be a new me, so I will actually be taking the Ravens despite Whoa, uh, I am everything shocked. I said. I just cannot... I, I just cannot... How can you pick Mitch Trubisky to cover four and a half? I know I just laid out all the reasons. The Ravens fumbling eight times against TJ Watt going against two backup tackles because we know Ronnie Stanley's not going to play. Why Nine
3: penalties for 140 <laughs> yards because there's like three DPIs in there. In. Yep. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there there's a path to TJ Watt causing us lots of problems, which he has many times in the past, but uh I, I'm hopeful I'm hopeful that the Ravens come up with solutions. I love that this game's at one PM and not in prime time. That certainly helps. And it is weird just as an intangible sort of thing, not really related to the pick at all, but I kinda miss a little bit, just a little bit, that in my hatred of teams in this division, somehow the Steelers have fallen to third. And I don't. It doesn't feel right. I get more worked up over the Browns. I get more worked up over the Bengals for sure. I don't know if it's because of their own mediocrity these last several years, but the Steelers just do not bother me the way they used to. And I miss that. I, I, I want the hate to come back. So let's let's take it to them. I say
1: this week. <laughs> just as a reminder, these same Steelers lost to the Houston Texans thirty to six last week. And I'm going to say something. Uh, that has no basis in anything that I know about this team. But I have a hunch. I have a hunch, I'm getting the old Podlicker Raven hunch. That of the starters that are injured, I think at least two make a return in this game. Yeah, I said it. Stanley, maybe. Marcus Williams? Maybe. Humphrey? Maybe. No. Odell, maybe. And I'm not gonna call Bateman a starter, so he doesn't he doesn't count, but <laughs> I think it's possible two of these players, not one, but two, make a return, which is going to help this uh, team tremendously. Um, I'll go to the rest of my picks here, and then let my my co-hosts, uh, you know, justly attack any of my any of my takes about this Steelers team and this Ravens team. Um, I went two and one last week. Won the Ravens pick. Won the Vikings pick. It was uh, hilarious to be watching the Ravens and then just looking at the little box score underneath for the Vikings game because I knew I had them in my picks and seeing the first time it scrolled past that the Vikings were uh, inside the five yard line with the score being 0-0 and then the next time it scrolled through it was Vikings 0 Panthers 7 <laughs> that was uh, really great and at the time nerve-wracking but the Vikings figured it out and they did come back and won that game and covered uh, so 2-1 last week 6-6 six and six on the season. This week, Ravens, minus four and a half, whatever. Uh, Bills are playing the Jags in London, and I'm falling for it again. This is a classic uh, overreaction line, but I don't think they overreacted uh, hard enough, basically, because the Bills line is minus five and a half against the Jags. I think this game should be a touchdown. It's just one and a half points of value to me. I have watched uh, the Jags quite a bit because I took them in my uh, in the over for the over wins. So I watched a lot of that London game, and they're just an okay football team. They just happen to be playing a, a terrible quarterback and a not very good team in the Atlanta Falcons. The Jags are struggling offensively. The defense is, I, I suppose, better than expected, but they are such a middling team at this point. And I think, as we've all said, the Buffalo Bills are the best team in the AFC right now. And they're piling on points against every opponent. Um, And I think they beat the Jags by two touchdowns. So, Bills minus five and a half. I really like. And uh, I don't care that Jacksonville's already in London. uh, Getting used to the time difference and all that. Great. We'll see if it actually helps them. And then I'm doing a three-team, six-point teaser uh let's try it again it's got to hit uh some some point uh i'm taking the lions at minus two and a half against the panthers at home lions yes please uh that line moves from eight and a half to two and a half uh i'm taking the niners at plus two and a half at home against the cowboys i'm going to confirm but i do believe that niners game is at home it's in san francisco yeah sunday night football Not many opportunities to take the 49ers and get points. And that's pretty much, that's all I need to hear for that. (laughs) And then I was stuck between two teams for the final teaser uh, pick. And it's the Eagles at Rams or Chiefs at Vikings. And they both scare me a little bit. These are both, you know, the teams that we expect to go deep into the postseason traveling uh, to inferior opponents. And I think they might both kind of end up being annoying Um, boy, you know, I'm going to do, a a a rarity on this pod. I'm going to ask the co-hosts. I'm going to do a a phone a friend here and ask the co-hosts to, uh, to make the pick for me. It's Eagles plus one and a half at the Rams or Chiefs minus 0.5 at the Vikings. Do the Vikings really beat the Chiefs? I don't, I don't think so. And then isn't the Eagles depth 10 times that of the Rams? That's kind of where I'm at on both of these games, but, uh, but torn. So would love to hear, uh. Here's some insight from the co-hosts.
3: I will. I will go quickly here. I think the Chiefs don't need it as bad as the uh, the Eagles do, and I know that's weird saying it for an Eagles team that's four zero, but I think that Eagles team needs to show that they're actually the class of the NFC with the like the likes of the Cowboys and the Niners, especially those two teams playing each other later that evening. Um, it's going to be a home game for the Eagles. Every Philly maniac is gonna travel out to LA and just you're gonna hear so many go birds like during the entire game there. Playing against Sean McVay and Puka Nakua and possibly Cooper Cup scares me. But something Look, I'm scared of both of those games. And spoiler, I got a teaser coming up later, and neither of them are in it because I and I went with some teams that I really I'm holding my nose and picking because I'm scared of these two games that you're putting in yours. I lean Eagles plus one and a half just because I th- – that – the Vikings – what are the, what's the Vikings record right now? Do we know off the top of our head? I'm trying to I – mean, One, and, one three. and three. So they're one and three. First win against the Panthers. That's right. They absolutely need to get a win here to remain any sort of competitive. It's probably over for them already as it is. And the Chiefs, after winning in that New York Jets game, I could see the Chiefs kind of just being the sleepy Chiefs and losing this game and being like, all right, that's well, fine. We'll – Whoever we have next week, we'll just beat the brakes off of. So even if it, that game is the pick and it's the plus, I'm going Eagles. I'm taking Eagles with the Rams is, is where I'm Sold. going there. I, I don't even need to hear Jace because I'm afraid you're
1: going to talk me the other direction. Uh, no, I was I,
2: I, I was going to agree with Tim. I, I'm on the Eagles as well. So okay. uh, I, just I for just the picture,
1: reason. I can picture Stafford just getting the cr- line just crumpling around <laughs> him over and over and over again in that yeah. game. So it, official. It, it, it's official. Put the the Chiefs in. are just
2: always begging, I feel like, to lose a game. And they find ways to win, but I just it's so hard to trust them from a gambling perspective because it seems like they barely win all these games all the time. And Minnesota's a hard place to play, even right. if the Vikings aren't all that good.
1: Yeah. A pod like a raven first. Uh, the co-host-aided <laughs> pick. Lions, minus 2.5. Eagles, plus 1.5. Niners, plus
3: 2.5. Yeah, now I feel like we all have to take it. Um, I'll go I'll go next here. I <laughs> fell back down to earth a little bit. Went 1-2 and two last week. Um, the tease that I did was screwed up by the Steelers. Although in real life, I forgot what I actually picked and picked a different team other than the Steelers and the tease actually ended up hitting, but on this show, it did not hit. So, uh, one and two, um, I, I said the bills line was really, really fishy, but I ended up not taking it. So kind of kicking myself there for not just riding with that bills line there. Um, but I am going to go Steelers plus four and a half. I am going to pick the Bengals minus three away to Arizona. I have the right to rescind this bet. It will count against me still. I know we make these picks on Monday. If they decide to bench Joe Burrow for this game and let him rest for the Arizona game and the bye week, basically giving him a bunch of time off. Bengals have to win. And I know Arizona is better than we all thought they were and what have you. The Bengals need this game and they need it badly. You know, Jamar Chase already saying I'm always effing open in the post game. Him getting all upset. (laughs) Joe Burrow clearly not being who he should be. If the, like the Bengals did this last year where they were sleepy coming out of the gate and then rallied, rallied, rallied. We're getting too late for that now. They need to start making some moves, and I so I'm just out of pure desperation for the Bengals, I'm going to take Bengals minus three away to Arizona. And then I'm learning about teasers from old Tony teasers over here, and he's making me Timmy <laughs> teasers. And I learned from him that if you want seven points, you got to make it a four-team teaser here to add the points rather than the six the six point which is typical and which is a custom so i threw another team in to get some better odds here and that's definitely not going to blow up in my face i know that's how (laughs) this works but here we go uh the dolphins need a bounce back win after kind of getting humiliated by the bills they're back in miami and they're playing the new York giants i'm knocking that down line down to minus two and a half field goal win for the dolphins over the giants seems easy enough to me Same thing with the Niners, except with this seven-pointer, I have them up plus three and a half, so they can lose by a field goal here, and I still win the bet. Just that was what I was comfortable with. And then, everybody, I would like you, if you're sitting in your car, if if you're listening while working, what have you, take your right hand and pinch your nose and make these bets with me because I don't like the next two legs of this. Texans, plus eight and a half away to the Atlanta Falcons. I think the Texans are okay, and I don't get it with the Falcons. I just don't get it. They're probably I, better than the Falcons. I <laughs> they, they think they're better than the Falcons. You, Everybody wants to look at Drake London and Kyle Pitts and B. John Robinson and, and Tyler Algier and all these weapons and Jesse Bates on the other end for the defense, big money signing there. The Falcons are not a good football team, and Desmond Ritter is Mac Jones level of bad. He is bad. They should just give this – team to taylor heineke and see what happens and just let him throw it up to i don't know drake london and kyle pitts these guys who are like absolute freaks at their position and just see what happens they're not doing that i think the texans are pretty good is it a letdown spot is it away from home absolutely i could see atlanta coming out and getting an easy 14 point win and this blows up in my face but i'm gonna take texans plus eight and a half away to the atlanta falcons and then really hold your nose here not too long you know make sure you breathe through your mouth here (laughs) <laughs> I'm taking the Jets, plus nine and a half away to the Denver Broncos. The Denver Broncos got that win over the Bears, although they absolutely didn't deserve it. Against any other team in the league, they wouldn't have gotten it. It does relieve a little bit of pressure on Sean Payton. But if you don't remember Sean Payton, high and mighty Sean Payton, in the off season was making all of these comments about how the Broncos were terribly run. Nate Hackett was an absolutely atro- atrocious coach. He was the problem. It wasn't Russ. Da da The the De- Broncos are still the Broncos, and Sean Payton has not done anything to prove otherwise. I guess who's on the Jets' coaching staff? One, Nathaniel Hackett. This is going to be a bit of a revenge game. I think that Jets' defense is going to swallow up the Broncos. Zach Wilson had a kind of quote-unquote quote, quote, quote coming-out party on Sunday Night Football. I think he could regress back to normal Zach Wilson, and this game ends 13-10, but that's why I'm taking the 9.5 points uh, for the Jets here. So, again... Dolphins minus two and a half 49ers plus three and a half Texans plus eight and a half and jets plus nine and a half away to Denver. One of those is going to lose, but Hey, you know, let's have some fun here. Let's throw, throw two bucks on it and see what happens and have a little bit of fun on a Sunday. So before I I
2: tell my other two picks, which are kind of just piggybacking off of other ones you guys did, I did go and three last week. Uh, and I am the inverse Ravens when it comes to picking the Ravens. So take my Ravens pick this week with a grain of salt. I am one in three. The Ravens are somehow three and one IRL. I've picked them wrong almost every week outside of the opener. Uh, so not going great with Ravens picks. So I am obviously Ravens minus four and a half. Um, in my in real life, I managed to lose a seven leg parlay uh, despite having all the winners right. So that's that's how gambling's going for me. Uh, because i didn't do a money line parlay um so you know we're learning here on the job but uh uh for my other picks this week i am going with the jets plus two and a half it was a little weird the zach wilson redemption arc that everyone played up it's like they still lost the game and he still kind of stunk like you know it's his, his stats were basically close to very close to the same in terms of like yards per attempt as patrick mahomes who had like clearly one of the lesser games of his entire career uh, on Sunday night. The the Jets still lost. So I didn't know why everyone was rushing to praise Zach Wilson after this one. But I do think the Jets, like, they're not going to go, you know, one in 16 this year without Aaron Rodgers. They're going to get some wins. So I'm also hopping on just at the normal uh, odds right now at plus two and a half at the Broncos. It's kind of crazy for The Broncos to be favored, frankly, to me <laughs> at this point of the season when they bear, they needed to come back from what it was 21 down, right, to beat the worst team in the NFL. That's not what you want to do. Uh, so I think the Broncos are very bad. Then the other one, I'm just taking the 49ers minus three and a half. Um, I still don't know that I get the Brock Purdy thing, but he had one in completion on Sunday, and the Niners just demolished teams like it did, like. I know it was close at that in the third quarter the Cardinals cut it to just uh, what was it 5 points 6 points. Um, so it was like close but it never feels like the Niners have been in danger in any of these games. Maybe they get challenged a little bit by the Cowboys, but they just seem to have an answer to everything and it just looks so easy for them. Like I'm sure they'll struggle a little bit, but at home, you know, Dak hasn't proven he's especially good against the 49ers in recent seasons and I've been um and and so with this game being out there sunday night football i think that place is going to be rocking obviously this is a historic rivalry in the nfl so i'm going just with the 49ers minus three and a half against the cowboys
1: i like it um that's gonna do it for us here uh go rave go let's see two good wins in a row and build uh build off of of something here as we get into October uh, and into that, that just those fall games that are just right when the temperature starts to, to dip a little bit and the leaves start to change and you might need a blanket or, or a sweatshirt to, to watch your games uh, so for Tim Horsey and Jay 7s I am Antonio Barbera thank you very much for listening to this here on Pod Like a Raven and we will see you next time